Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this time to come together, this group that's gathered here. Um, and we just pray that you'd speak to us this morning, that we'd be able to hear from you and, and um, the things you want to show to us, that, that it would be made clear and we'd be willing to uh, accept and change and grow and, and to see, us, see our lives and who we are the way we really are, which is um, just honestly, openly before you and that you would be able to work in us just like you want to work in this church here in Corinth. And so, God, we pray that you'd speak to us by your spirit, that we would uh, be able to give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and just, um, Lord, minister to us this morning in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For those of you who have been here, you know, really quick recap, Corinth is a mess. This this is a, the city's a mess, but there is a church there that God has established in the midst of the mess of, uh, you know, affluence. Um, they were major seekers of pleasure. They were very intelligent in their own mind. There were, the church God had established, he had people in the city, and there was a church that Paul helped to establish over a year and a half that he would spend there. And they continued on, and, and we know that they were... They used their gifts. They had gifts. They, they did love the Lord. They were Christians, but there was major issues in Corinth. Major issues. Lots of division. Lots of problems. Uh, there, you'll see later there's some real dark, kind of murky, like, lifestyle stuff going on that you're like, whoa, you know? Um, and so Paul is saying, you guys are beloved. You are brothers and sisters, but we want to see you get out of this stuff. And he's kind of going to continue on with that here in chapter three. And he says, I brethren could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So the idea of carnal, when you hear the word carnal, what is what does that sound like, carn, carnal, if you were to break it down, right? What flesh, right? Meat, flesh. Carnal is of the flesh. That's the idea. But notice he's speaking to who? The unbelievers? No, the brethren, okay? It's important to understand that he's talking to Christians. There's some debate where, like, well, Christians can't be carnal. Um, yes, they can, and that's been all of us, right, at some point, Right? We've probably all experienced a little bit of, of carnality in our lives, even as Christians, where the flesh is, is, has a little bit too much of a rain on us, and it's limiting us in so many ways. He says, and I, brethren, it's important he says that, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to, carn, as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Uh, really, we see three different kinds of man, if you would call it, man or woman, you know, just we'll say man as humanity, that we can see in Scripture, throughout Scripture. That is the natural man. The natural man is completely ruled by the flesh, right? That is all you know. Dog eat dog. There's survival is key. You know, I will do whatever I need to do. I will make to get what I want. So I'm at the top. So nobody else gets in my way. And and even my relationships that I seem like I care about are really self-serving. That would be natural man. Some elements of love, but they're almost always tied up in some sort of ulterior motive. That would be natural man, right? And we see spiritual man, that would be the uh, regenerated, new living 
born-again believer who is empowered by the Spirit of God. The fruits of the Spirit are coming out of their lives. They are effective, and, and they're not sinless, but the things of this world and the, and the flesh isn't what controls what they're doing. They stumble, they fall, but they're not like, it's not like a, a, a mega, mega stronghold on their life. And then we see the carnal man, or the carnal Christian, which would be those who are legitimately saved, knew that they needed Jesus, like understood his mercy and his grace, but they just kind of kept the flesh around and let it be like a part-time rule, like a, you know, it's like a timeshare. You can you know, come whenever you want and, you know, spend some time here and it'll cost way more than it should. Anyway, um, it's like a, 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 it has two elements. So you have the, this part of you that's spiritual and is yearning for spiritual things, but a very strong, uh, overwhelming uh, appetite still for sin that is not yet being ruled at all. That would be the carnal man those who are driven and drawn away in the flesh. So he can't speak, Paul can't speak to them like they're mature because they aren't. Honestly, we're gonna get, we're gonna get more into this, but I think the idea of, of a carnal Christian is the most dissatisfied people on the planet because they have like an element of knowing what life's really about, but they're not willing to give up on the poison that's killing them. There's just a, there's a, 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 a um, dissatisfaction with both sides. Like, I don't understand. Like, I, I, I became a Christian and, you know, my life's not being helped and I'm still miserable, you know. But, uh, you know, but every time I go get hammered, it doesn't, and that doesn't help either. And you're like, well, yes, okay. So you see, you see the problem here, you know. You're living both sides, it's, it's not good. You, you know the analogy of one foot on either side of the fence is not a good situation, right? You can't do both well. Once again, we will find ourselves struggling, no doubt. Like the flesh is, is real and there's gonna be times of struggling, but this is lifestyle that's kind of made its way into the church of Corinth that has been accepted, and to see the flesh as anything other than poison to your spiritual life is, um, it means you've been deceived. If you can see it as being okay and kind of being all right with it, and yeah, this is fine, you know. But I, I, I've seriously seen that because of people like, I'm trying to, I've tried to follow God and it just doesn't work, you know. And you're like, what, 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 what does that mean? What does following God mean, you know? And you start unpacking it and you're like, you're, it's, it's a workspace situation and yet you're still mega like invested still in the flesh and you're not understanding the enjoyment of following God, finding that he's your whole life. And you have to be convinced once again, that's the whole repentance, your mind being changed on what is good and what is not good. Take for instance, um, if you, all you eat is junk food, then it is very good, right? In your mind. Like, this is so good. And you're like, well, I, I just eat Doritos, and it's awesome. And then someone says, oh, Doritos, cool. Would you like to, you know, take a bite of celery? And you're like, uh, okay, I guess. It's kind of weird. Is this a plant? Am I eating a tree? Like, what is this thing? And you, you eat it, and you're like, there's strings everywhere. Is this okay? I, can I eat the strings? And you're like, you know, celery, that's how it is, you know. You take a bite of it, and you're like, oh, this is just terrible. 
This is really bad. This does not taste good. Can we put some peanut butter in it, you know, or maybe some ranch dressing on it? Would that make it better? Melt some cheese all over it, and then we could call it, you know, again, that way I'm getting my vegetables in, you know, or whatever. Well, your appetite is purely for junk food. You go, you know, all right, this is not very good to taste. But the, the funny thing is, is the more you start, you kind of like let go of the junk food in your life. This is not about junk food. That's legalism. I'm not trying to get into that. But I'm saying, if you've experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. You stop, remember in high school, we stopped drinking soda for football and it felt amazing. You, all of a sudden you didn't feel bad anymore. And, and, and I remember getting back into drinking it afterwards and it was an uncomfortable situation. I didn't even like it, but I, for some reason, decided to press on through until I liked it again. But it, it was, it, you don't know what it feels, what it's like to be free until you are, uh, you actually experience it. And then the things that were kind of holding you back and you're like, you know, it, I guess it wasn't normal for my stomach to hurt every day. Because every day I just didn't feel good. I woke up and I was like, yeah, I feel terrible again. Well, just get some Mountain Dew and some Doritos and that'll help, you know. This is junk food mindset, you know. Like, what am I, what am I, I just don't know what's better for me. You start eating vegetables, you start doing the right things, you start getting rid of the stuff in your life that's not good for you and you start feeling better. You're like, whoa, I didn't know that people actually could not feel terrible in the morning. This is, I guess I'm a morning person. You're like, well, it's like 10, so not, it's not that good. But the, the idea of, of being away from that and seeing like, this is what life looks like, not being drugged down. Again, it's not about junk food because it's about so much more than that. It's about junk life. It's like healthy life and following Jesus and then there's junk life that pulls you down and, and sucks the life out of you and gives you nothing what you want. You think it tastes good, but while you're eating it, you're like, I hate you. This is not good. I'm just doing it because I don't know what else. I have no taste for anything else. This is all I have. This is all I know. Carnal Christians allow that to become part of their life and it doesn't work. It just does not work like that. It doesn't, you're not going to get where you want to go. You can be fully saved, and we, we're going to see that, but you're going to miss out on the good things God wants to do. He says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. Remember when Paul started this letter, he was like, hey, guys, love you guys, love all the things that are going on. And now his tone has changed a little bit. Jason, Pastor Jason talked about when you're, when you're talking to ha have it be a sandwich of like really nice and then the thing you want to talk about and then really nice, you know? So both sides, you're like covering your bases so you can get out the thing you need to talk about, right? Here you go. There's the part. But also really nice, you know, and Paul is, he gets that. But we're in the middle of the sandwich where he's like, this is what I need to talk to you about. And I want you to know the truth. And because the truth here will set them free if they get it. Note, Paul is not looking at them like, you guys are carnal and so I'm busting you. And like, what do we do about it? We'll just stop being so terrible and be like me. No, he's like, I want you to be free from this. You don't belong here. This is, this is poison. This, is, this will take you out. Don't do it. He's like, I want to talk to you and I can't. Verse 3. For you are still carnal. And this is how we're going to know what the proof is that they are carnal. His, this is the examples he has. 
The proof is in the pudding, as they say. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You want to know something? Division is, I think, Satan's very best tactic. Division, one, another thing, you're going to hear some things from the conference because I was just there, but it works for everything. The, one of the things that Jason was talking about is how to look at your spouse and to realize and recognize you're on the same team. Isn't that good to know? <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, I married you. <laughs> I chose you to marry me. That's, we're on the same team. Yeah, we are on the same team. Like, no, you, not only you're on the same team, this was your number one draft pick. Like, you know, like when you're sitting there in the recess and you're picking the kids for kickball, this is the first pick you had. You are on the same team. You're invested at this point. This is the one, man. I chose you. But it's easy when things come up, the division just rises. And as soon as flesh comes, so comes division. And things, and it's good friends, envy, strife. This all actually, those come first a lot of times. You envy, you're insecure. So you have the strife in your life. And what happens? Division. Divide. Well, I'm just going to have to wall you off so I don't have to deal with that part of my life. I have to wall this off over here because they're just, they're rough, you know. I don't like that. I went to this church and they said this and that wasn't nice. I didn't like it. And then they went to that church and the lighting was bad and it wasn't good. And I didn't like that either. And then I went to this church and could you believe the paint colors that they had at that church? You couldn't believe it. It was nuts. I've not found a good place. I can't find it. It's impossible. Division, envy, strife. These are, it's behaving like natural men. This is reverting to, this is as old as time, right? Look throughout, you know, you've been reading through uh, the Bible reading plan. Hey, you got all those catch-up days right now? It's good. We're through Genesis. That's rad, right? For those of you who are, are there. But you look through and you're like, division has been from the beginning, right? Again, Cain and Abel, right? Ugh. God liked his sacrifice. Well, I should kill him then. Instead of dealing with my own situation, I should kill him, lower the standard. It's called, you know, let's get that curve a little lower, you know? Always blowing the curve, the grading curve, because everyone else is like getting 50%, and one kid got 100, and you're like, you know, if you would only gotten like a 70, we would all be good. But the fact that you got 100 means that it's possible. Why did you do that? We must get rid of you, you know? So he's like, you're act, basically you're behaving like mere men. Also, that's to say you're not mere men. You're behaving like it. It's reverting, allowing that to come back into your life. And he says, and he gets a little more personal. We kind of got a glimpse of this in chapter one uh, as to the actual situation. For one, one says, I am of Paul. And another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Remember Paul and Apollos were buddies, you know, like, like they were like in the, in it together. Apollos kind of came around later and, but they, they were on the same team. We're going to see that. He's like saying, if you're from saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. It's not to say like, you know, everybody has people in their life that just mean a lot to them. They could be their mentor. It's someone that they have, you know, good common ground with. But this saying like, I'm of Paul, you know, the one who did all the good stuff. I'm of Apollos, you know, like the one who's way good at speaking, you know, 
Remember in, in chapter one, I'm of Jesus. Ooh, yeah. He says, who then is Paul and who's Apollos? Notice he's speaking about himself, right? At this point, it'd be like, oh, Paul, yeah, okay. You're of Paul, yeah? Good call, guys, being with, of Paul. You know, I'm pretty good. So, you know, Paul does not like taking glory for stuff, which is very wise. He says, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. Ministers through whom you believed. These are two men that God used to be very useful in the lives of these people. Hey, here you go. We were used in your life in a good way, in a positive way. Like, that's all that we were. The Lord gave to each one. It wasn't us. Like, it was, what did we do? There was nothing we did. And he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And last night, even at the retreat, we talked a little bit about, like, running your own race, doing what you're supposed to. Here we have it. Paul, like, knows full on, I'm a planter. I put the seed in, and I am unapologetically that's all I do, and that's what I want to do, and that's how I operate. And this is, this is. You, I mean, we see him water some, but in it, it was a big deal in this situation. I think Apollos was seemingly very personable. I think he was really good at dealing with day to day life stuff, like people going through stuff. And so Paul planted, Apollos watered. Right? What's more important, planting or watering? Both, right? I mean, if you don't plant the seed, what are you watering? You're like, this is a cool thing of mud. That's awesome. I'm like into it, you know? Wow, all right. That's fun. But if you plant the seed and you never water it, there's just a seed down there, right? It's just sitting there. It's like, get some water, you know? A little sunlight, I don't know, maybe. Get something happening here. They're both important, but, but he says, I planted Apollos water, but here's the important thing. Recognizing, first of all, your place in the equation. Just do what you're supposed to do. Don't worry about being a waterer if you're a planter. Don't worry about being a planter if you're a waterer. But recognize who brings the increase. God gave the increase. He's the hope. And I think that anytime you see people acting carnally, it's taking their eyes off of God and putting it back onto themselves. What is it to act fleshly? It is to say that I am the most important, right? Because that's like a glimpse of the natural man. What does the natural man say? I am God in my own eyes. I deserve and I need, will do anything I can to get the praises I deserve and to get the bounty I deserve and whatever I want, I go out and I take it. And if that means it was yours, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. That is natural man, us in our base state. It's like the animal kingdom, right? It's a pretty gnarly place. So it's neither he who plants is anything or he who waters is anything, but God gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, meaning they are together unified in a great purpose. They're one in God's plan. They're one in the body of Christ operating in different places, different gifts, You're the eye, you're the nose, you're the ear, doing what you're supposed to be doing still as part of in that one as a body. They're they're one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So 
We're one in purpose in, and in the body of Christ and what we do and how we do it together, but you will receive the reward for your part in it. Isn't that interesting? So whatever it is you're supposed to be doing, that is what you are being judged on in a sense. That is what you are being, is going to be brought before the fire as we're gonna see in a minute here. Doing what you're supposed to be doing what you've been called to do. That's why, you know, kind of like the idea of, if anybody's trying to be someone they're not, it's not a good situation. It's really bad. Maybe you've heard it before where like, you'll hear a pastor and he sounds exactly like the pastor that he, you know, came after, like, or, or as his mentor. And you're like, I've heard that joke. And that exact same voice inflection, you don't talk like that, but they, it's just because they have become that person. You're like, just be you, you know? Not everybody's going to be, you know, so eloquent with their speech. Not everybody's going to be so, you know, this is just in a pastoral or speaker setting. Not everyone's going to be so, oh, so funny or, man, so really good to bring out the tears or what, you know, all of those things. Just be who you are and let that naturally, let God use that, but do it to the best of your ability because God will judge. If you're a waterer, water well, <laughs> If you're a planter, plant often. Whatever you do, you do it under the glory of God. Wherever you've been placed, do that really well. Don't try to be something you're not. Be who you are, but do it well. Because there's a, there's a reward for those who are effective in doing what they're supposed to be doing under the glory of God. Yeah, one in essence, like, oh, this is, the you know, said this before too, uh, the first church of ear, you know, like we're the ears, we're really good. We listen, we're so listening, but no one says anything. Who do we listen to? I don't know. Everybody's just sitting there. Or even worse, the church of mouth, like mouth, it would be like, just nothing but talking. Everybody's talking and there's no ears to hear anything. And it's just like everyone convincing themselves of who they are over and over again. And they're just like sitting there. You think about those little, like twist things with the mouth and it's just like that, 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 that. And you're like, oh, don't want to go there. <laughs> those are all, those are important things though, right? A church of noses, that would be just freak me out if it was just noses everywhere. You, anyway, um, but you get the idea of like how twisted that would be. But as a human body altogether, it, it is, it functions so well in the way it was intended to function. So, Understand that we are one, but yet we will receive our reward for our own labor, doing what we're called to do where we're supposed to go. Verse nine, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and God's, uh, you are God's building. Notice that you're God's fellow workers. What? Fellow workers, like together? <laughs> Isn't that right? I mean, I was like thinking about that. I'm like, we're his fellow workers, like not like, we just like work for him. We're his fellow workers. We're doing it with him. And I was uh, listening to a commentary on this and, or a message on this and it's talking about the, uh, when you're a kid, maybe you saw your dad pushing a lawnmower or whoever, and, or you've seen, a, I'm sure you've seen images of this, pushing a lawnmower and then the kids got the little bubble mower, you know, falling behind and thinking they're doing it, you know, like Cannon, he mowed our apartment in Aliso so many times we never had grass grow there because he mowed it so well um fact of the matter is who's really doing it the dad's doing it you know but the kids 
part of it. And he comes, dad comes in, he's sweating, you know, and he's got grass clippings and, and he's like, I need to take a shower. And the kid comes in, they're like, I need to take a shower. Yeah, man, that was tough, you know. And mom says, oh, here's your glass of lemonade. And oh, for you too, you both worked really hard. And you're like, yeah, we did. It's tough, mom. It's tough out there, you know. Tell you what, I'm famished. Uh, what do you think? Let's get some, you know, let's go out and get some food. You know, this sounds good. We, you know, a lot of, la- lot of labor happened. You wouldn't get it. You wouldn't know. Um, but, uh, you know, but I kinda, you kind of think of that image of like, we're his fellow laborers. He's the one that's doing the work, but we get to be a part of it. Get to be, go with him and be a part of it. And he uses us. So it's not exactly a great illustration, but you get it. Maybe it's more like you pushing the mower and they got their hand on it. And you're like, this is actually making it much harder to push this mower right now because you're here. But it's good. No, God uses us and and he wants to use us. Where's field? Where's building? According to the grace of God, uh, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Paul here says, remember, look at how he starts it. According to the grace of God, this is not Paul. Not like I'm not laying claim to this, but God has put me in this position. I think that's important to understand. Who you are, you can be firm in your identity in Jesus. Like Paul knew his place was to lay foundations. Do you get what I'm saying? It wasn't like he he wasn't being uh, prideful. And that's obvious because he's again and again giving the glory to God and again and again affirming those other people who have a place in what he's doing. But Paul knows who he is and why he's there. That's, there's like a bit of false humility that can be almost as bad as none, you know, where sometimes you're like, oh, oh no, I could never. And, you know, but you're kind of like, you know, but Paul's just like, yeah, I'm the guy who builds foundations. I know that. But it's you, just so you know, it's not me. He's doing it, but he's using me to do it. So great, let's get past all the small talk and we'll get it done. But just so you know, I know it's the grace of God. Paul's not saying, well, here's some things Paul's learned over the years. No, I build it on the foundation. As a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Be important to how we build on it. For here, we're gonna find out right now what the foundation is. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's how you know it ain't an ego thing for Paul. Just so you know, the thing that I'm the master builder, I'm just going to say, let's build it all on Jesus. And you're like, okay. So it's not about you, Paul. Here's the thing. Three easy steps to lay down a good foundation, you know. Just, Just spitballing here. Here's my TED talk, you know. It wasn't like that. It was, he's like, it is Jesus. That's it. So if you're ever thinking it's one thing or another, you're wrong. It's Jesus. And that's what the waterer will say. That's what everyone who is involved in it, everyone who is the spiritual man, not the carnal man, who's still tapping into the things of the flesh for to, to fulfill your desires, to give you your worth, to show you your identity. Those people will absolutely take the opportunity to let it tell you who you are because you don't know who you are. Paul absolutely knew who he was. A bond servant of Christ. His life reflected that. So even in all the works that he did, he never seemed to get a big head because he always remembered where the power came from. It was never about him. 
that's the thing. It's, it's so humbling. Anytime you think, oh, wow, things are really going good. And you're like, oh, do you think you have anything to do with that? Like you have nothing to, that's not you. At best, you just let him go through you. The best thing you can possibly do is not get in the way. So you're really good at not getting in the way. We're like, okay, cool. That's good. Join in with what he's doing. Let him do it. It's not Paul 101. Uh, Here's how Paul does it. No, it's Jesus. The foundation is Jesus. You break it down. Anything that you're at, wherever you're at in life, you break it down to the lowest common. It's got to be Jesus. If it's not Jesus, you're suffering. And you're living carnally, whether you know it or not. If you're looking for your foundation to be laid on anything other than Christ, for your salvation, for where you want to go, even as a family, you're going to be bummed out. You're going to miss out. It's not where you're supposed to be. Now he says this. Now, this is how we build, right? Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, we have gold, silver, and precious stones. These are like rare and material, precious materials, right? And then we have wood, hay, and straw. Those are easy to come by. Well, you know, whether you, what are you building with? Like the, the best, or are you building with what's common? You know, this kind of, you know, burnable stuff. He says, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So what Paul's saying is it will be made clear what you built with, what you invested in. There's going to be a time where you're going to find out the way that you invested and the way that you labored in your life and you'll find out if what it was really all about. If it's if it's all about man's ways, man's wisdom, man's natural uh results and and the prize to be the things that the world looks at as prizes you will find that your stuff just burns and there's nothing left over but if it's you build with things that are are precious and and quite frankly costly who in the bible do you see who in the new testament i mean anywhere but really in the new testament the disciples and apostles who in that list didn't give up something like, is there anybody that was a follower of Jesus that didn't have to give up something precious to them or at the very least show what was most precious to them, which was him? Was it, we're all going to be in that place where God's going to test you and he's going to want to see and let you know, really, it's for you to see. He already knows where you're really at and what you really lie on. And maybe you found that to be true. I have in my life where you, you find out that you've put in way too much weight on a foundation that is not Christ. It's pseudo Christ. It kind of looks like him, but you kind of, it's like a morphed thing. And it's like the American dream slash Jesus, you know? And what happens when that all crumbles and you're like, all I have left is Jesus. And he's like, oh, oh good, we can build. We all kind of have to hit that place in our life where you hit rock bottom. Okay, what am I doing here? What is what really matters? Where is eternity at? Another thing Jason said when he was saying that the way we invest in our marriages is with the mindset of eternity to know this is not it. This is a small little vapor of eternity. To know that everything that we do here on this earth, if it doesn't have eternal value, then you're missing the point. 
And I think that that eternal value is really wrapped up in right here, what he says, let it become clear. Uh, each, each person's work will become clear and it'll be revealed by fire and it will test what sort it is. Verse 14, if anyone's work uh, which he has built on it endures, he will receive a w- reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be slave, uh, saved, yet so as through fire. So again, he's speaking to carnal Christians saying, if, if you continue on this path and all you're building is with carnal, you're, not, you're missing out on like uh, really investing and, and giving what that is and building on precious things and, and being focused on the right and the real things, you are going to miss out in the day, in the end, you will be saved, but it's, it's like you're gonna have nothing to show for your whole life. What a waste. Maybe you've been around people at the end of their life, you, you see you see them and you're like, they recognize that their life was a waste, the whole thing. And, and it's so much easier when you see them that they come to Christ at the end. And you're like, yes, you're going to see you in eternity. But there, there's a longing and a yearn to wish that they could go back and change it, to realize all the things that they built for and all the things that they valued, the things that were important to them were just nothing. It was, it was like burned up in front of their eyes and you could see what was left, like nothing. There's nothing here. On the other side, a, a, a fire can be really important for precious metals, right? It burns out the, all the impurities and it actually becomes worth more in the end, Right? It's been tested. It's been proved. And you find out what it's really all about. When I was a, in ninth grade, we took a trip to uh, Washington, D.C. and New York. Um, and it was the like, first time I'd ever been on a plane. And, you know, anyway, so we went there in February. And it's the first time I've ever been out of the state other than Arizona at that point. And so... Um, we get there and it's, it's 18 degrees and you're freezing, you know, you get out and you're like, people live in this and it's 18, right? I know it's not that cold. Um, and, and we go around and we're doing our thing and, and all of a sudden these people come up to you and they start saying, Hey man, you want to buy some Oakley's? And you're like, Oakley's. Yeah, those are good, man. Those are really good. And it was that era where they were really like, really like round. And then they had like the little rubber spot in the middle and then the, the end was plastic again. And you're like, these are these look really good. And, and, and it's like, come here, come here, come here. Those are not Oakley's, okay? Like, go read it really closely, you know, and it says Oaky or, you know, whatever. It's like missing something. Or it says it, but it just does not look right. And the, one of the lenses is already popping out or whatever. And, and, and we knew it, and I ended up buying them anyway, you know? It was like five bucks, hanging out at Battery Park, looking at, like, the Statue of Liberty. It seems like a good time to buy some sunglasses. And so, but they come with a case, so... That's pretty cool. Um, as time goes on, it be really becomes very evident that they, there is a big difference between those Oakleys and the real Oakleys. Not that I could afford the real Oakleys, you know, but I, I did eventually buy nice sunglasses and uh, realized I don't really want to do that anymore because I am losing them. Uh, but I remember those before you lose them or you know, whatever, they last and they, they feel different and your eyes don't hurt. And, but the, the other Oakleys, what I thought was green turned out to be white with paint on it, right? Have you done this before? Do you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, that wasn't even rubber. Like, I, what in the world is wrong with these glasses? 
It becomes revealed over time. This is a fake. This is a fraud. This is phony. This is, it's a, an imposter. To invest in carnality is to continue to buy fake Oakleys. But you don't even know they're cheap. You think they're, you're like paying full price, like, you know, or 10 bucks off. Tell you what, they're usually like 200 bucks. I don't know. I'll give them to you for 190 You know, it costs them $1 to make it, if that. By the way, you want to buy a watch too? I got watches. Oh, okay. It's a Rolex? Oh, I'll tell you what, if you buy them both together, I don't know, 400 bucks. I'll give them to both. All right, sold, you know. It's a Rolex and some Okies. But you get the idea. Like, if you invest in something that is, it's a fake, it's a phony, it, it could never be anything other than that. It was not made at the Oakley factory. <laughs> It was not using the same materials. And so over time, everything fell apart. I mean, I think by the end of the trip, one of the, one of the sides is gone, you know, and now you're wearing it with one side and thinking, hoping it's a trend somehow. It was the 90s, so it could have happened. You don't know. Um, but it's an imposter, and you're uh, investing in something that, that will give you, that not give you the returns that you think you want. You could buy 200 pairs of those rather than the 200 glasses. You go, oh, this seems like it's better. But you just burn them, burn them, burn them, burn them, burn them. doesn't really matter. It doesn't work. Not, not the same, not the same value. You don't get what you want out of it, what you're looking for out of it. So there's going to be some who, if they continue to invest in, in the ways of the world and, and, uh, and the flesh, they're going to end up, sure, getting saved, being saved, but with nothing to show for their life. I don't want that, you know? I want to be at the end where it's like there's fruits from your labor and you, you recognize that you were living for eternity now. You were investing for eternity now and the people around you were brought nearer to Christ because of your life. It, it's, it's easy to want to just do your own thing. And sometimes you're like, I just want to shut people off and I want to go away and never, you know, it's just easy to do that because you're human, right? You're just going to go away for a while and not, talk to anyone or not be by anyone or not you yeah how's that going to work out yeah that'll change everything take a break for a minute sure good but understand what you're really here for it's not about you it's about serving god and and being with him doing the work that he has set out for you he says do you not know that you're the temple of god and the spirit of god dwells in you and if anyone defiles the temple of god god will destroy him for the temple of god is holy which temple you are. He's saying like, do you guys understand what you have in you? Why would you want to continue to live on in carnality and, and still sowing into that, those seeds, those seeds into the world and, and feel like you are trying to invest in something that is going to kill you. And is, there's no gain out of it. There's no benefit out of it. And you know, this just walk away. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Humble yourself. Don't trust the logic and wisdom of man. We are vulnerable to manipulation, to deceit. We all are. It's easy to be tricked into things, right? I would, yeah. You know, I'm always getting these emails. Your Squarespace account is offline. You need to rectify your bill right now. And I'll go and I'm looking at our church website and it's online. I'm like, no. 
and I'll log into the, our account and it's like paid. I'm like, okay, so someone is trying to deceive me, obviously. Oh, just pay us right now. We'll make sure it goes back online. You know, okay, delete, you know, I see why you're in the junk file, you know, so you're going to stay there. But for the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Futile, like they can't, they only can see what they can see here on earth. Don't abide in that world. Don't pour into carnality. Paul's begging them to, to be as they are. The spirit of the living God is inside of them. Don't get twisted up. Don't get caught up in this old stuff from the world. The world only knows what it knows, and it is, it's nothing compared to the wisdom of God. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. What he means by that is we not, should not be slaves to anything. Even death itself is, I'm hearing this this week, death itself is, is a servant to us because it brings us to eternity. We should be slaves to nothing. But followers of Christ, bondservants, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, which is Peter, or the world, or life or death, or things present or things to come, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Here's your identity. You want to know who you are? You are made to be free, you are, and you are Christ's. You belong to him. So don't let these things of this world put you in bondage. You don't belong here. We are sons and daughters of the king. And he loves us so much and he has such great plans for us. So don't let, you know, the town crazy tell you that you need to go to jail. Because you don't. You're sons and daughters of the king. We're not to be put into bondage of anything, but to walk freely, uprightly, honoring God and watching him work in our lives as we get to water, as we get to plant, as we get to build this even reward for our lives. And the reward even in and of itself is seeing people come to Christ. Being able to have unity and, and communion and intimacy with God. To encourage you guys, I mean, we can all be encouraged in this. The ways of the world are tricky and they seep into our churches so easily. They seep into our lives so easily. They're right in front of us. We watch YouTube commercials or watch a YouTube video of Peppa Pig and all of a sudden some gnarly commercial comes on. You're like, what is this? Like, I can't like have anything on anymore. It's like the world is just trying from every angle to jump in. and in. But we are not to be slaves to any of it. We're free in Jesus. So let's live like we're free, right? Encourage it, all of us. Let's just live like we're free. Let's continue to go forward, move forward, not so into, this, into the flesh, but to continue to honor God in our lives. All right? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for that. Um.